0: As we come to uh, the scripture this morning, we are in John chapter 10, where Jesus talks uh, to the crowd about the good shepherd, and introduces himself and reveals himself to the people as a good shepherd. The passage this morning is a little long, so I'm going to ask you to bear with me as we read through John chapter 10, the first 21 verses. Hear then the word of God. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold, but by the door, uh, the sheepfold by the door, but climbs over by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, then he will be saved and he will go in and out and he will find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd... Who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, and he leaves the sheep, and he flees, and the wolf snatches them, and he scatters them. And he flees because he's not, he is just a hired hand, and he cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. And I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. And so there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from the Father." There was once again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon or he is insane. Why listen to him? And others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Pray with me. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning. We come to the good Shepherd. Uh, Father, we would hear your voice calling us. We would hear you speaking into our lives. And so we submit ourselves now. We bow before you in your word. We long for you to reign over us and to speak to us and to work within us that we might know Christ and hear his voice and respond in obedience and faith. We would follow him as our shepherd. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus uses a figure of speech here in verse 6. He comes right out and tells us this is a figure of speech that Jesus used with them. They didn't fully get it, but he uses this figure. It's a very very familiar figure of speech because shepherding was a major industry in Israel. It had been for thousands of years, quite literally, in Palestine. So it's very familiar. the colder months... Shepherds would bring their sheep back to town. They would bring them into a common fold. And so somewhere in the side of town or uh, the edge of town, there would be a a common sheep fold. And so when they would bring their, their sheep back in from the fields, they would all open the gate to a shepherd and all the sheep would go in. And by morning, when the shepherd would come to get his sheep, they would all be mixed up. You know, you put them all in there, say there were eight different shepherds in that town, and a lot of them just had little flocks. I mean, to have a large flocks, you had to be really wealthy. A lot of them just had small flocks of sheep that they tended for their own livelihood and for sale. And so you would put them in there, and you would have six, eight, ten flocks mixed up. The shepherd would come in the morning to get his sheep. The gatekeeper would recognize the shepherds, and he would open the gate. And there wasn't a problem picking out his sheep, because he didn't have to pick them out. You didn't have to sort through and be like, is this one mine or is this one yours? I don't know, you know, is this one mine had a black spot here? You know, they didn't have to sort through them. The shepherd would speak to them. He would call them, and they would come. They would know his voice. They would recognize his voice. The, The flocks often weren't that large, and there was that kind of a relationship. It's almost like us having our pets now that we... We know them and they know us and we can call them and they recognize our voice. I mean, it's funny, my dog knows our car. Like I'll pull into the neighborhood and my dog will come running. and like he hears my car and he knows it's me coming. The sheep know their shepherd. They hear his voice. They come to him and they know him and they're easy to lead out. And it was actually a regular practice to name the sheep, not unlike pets. That each one, he would spend every day, all day out in the field with them and he'd he knew his sheep. He had them named, and if he came to the fold, and you know, with seven of his eight sheep came out, and there was one hanging back, or you know, whatever there was, he would he could call it by name, and it would come to him. Today we use dogs to drive sheep as often or not in different parts of the world. You see in Australia, the highlands of. Of Ireland, there's often sheep dog, and they tend to run behind the sheep and drive the sheep where they want them to go. You know, moving the flock from behind and making them, you know, obey their, their deal. But in their day, again, it was very different. They did not have dogs like that. The shepherd went before them. He called the sheep, and he walked away. And as he walked away, they would follow him. Right? They, came, they came after him because they knew him. Because they know their shepherd, they recognize his voice and they won't follow strangers, right? That's where he ends up in verse 5, a stranger they won't follow. You know, but they will flee from him because they don't know his voice. They don't recognize a stranger. You know, this is a powerful image. Jesus just pulls this out and he, he paints this picture of local life. And he, and he uses it to paint a picture of himself, the shepherd who is intimately connected with his sheep. There's this relationship, a relationship of trust, of mutual knowing and and trust. He's named them, he calls them, and they know him, and they come only to him, and they won't follow anyone else, and they follow him out to pasture. It's also a familiar biblical image. It's not just an image that Jesus pulls from common life, which he does, and these guys would recognize it. But they, they would also recognize this because, as I said, it's been a part of Israel's life for thousands of years. It's also a very powerful biblical image. Right? They would be very familiar with it from their Bibles, from, from the Old Testament, from the earliest days. I put in your bulletin, you'll see there's an outline there under the first point, going all the way back to Genesis, Genesis 48. We're told that he, that is Jacob, who is renamed Israel, he blessed Joseph and he said, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all of my life long to this day. All right, so you have Israel, Jacob as an individual and then corporately. But here is an individual, Israel, saying, God has been my shepherd all of my days. This is his experience. This is how he describes his relationship with God. God has been a shepherd to me. And I have followed him, and he has walked before me, and I have walked with him all the days of my life. Psalm 28, it's there right after it. He says, oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. So there is this, this strong picture of... Israel's relationship with their God as their shepherd. Isaiah chapter 40. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather his lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead those that are with young. Right? This picture of God's care for his people, the carrying them in his bosom. If if one of them is injured, if they're you know A lot of different things that can happen as you live in the wild and shepherd in the wild. And any time where a sheep is having trouble or gets caught down in some kind of crag or is injured, the shepherd will pick him up and carry him. I mean, his, his job was to care for these sheep, their protection, their safety, their security, their provision. He would carry them. He would handle them. If one was pregnant, it says he will gently lead them. He's not going to drive them like they are in a herd. But, he, but in their individual situation, he will care for them powerful picture, this biblical picture. And Jesus adopts it. Jesus takes it to himself. He does this. And I've said this many times, and you can't read for me, you can't read the book of John and some of the gospels, and people say that Jesus never claimed to be God. But he does this again and again, right? God is the good shepherd. God is Israel's good shepherd. For a thousand, fifteen hundred years, he has claim that title and and his prophets had spoke of it and his people use that language. God is the shepherd of his people Israel. He carries them and he leads them and he cares for them and Jesus stands up and he adopts this language to himself and he says to the people of Israel I am the good shepherd. He reveals himself to Israel. Jesus announces in no uncertain terms, in some ways, that he is God. And he says, I am the light of the world. God is the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. God is the good shepherd. And he's come to call his sheep. See, they didn't understand it. You know, through verse 6, he gives this image. He just says, truly, I say to you, this is the way it is. And he paints this figure of speech and they don't fully get it and so he goes to unpack it for them and so from verses eight and following seven and following he unpacks it and he puts himself in it and he applies it to himself and to those who are listening to him and he says this is what i'm talking about Right, And he actually uses two images, doesn't he? I mean, Jesus can do this. He mixes his metaphors sometimes, and Paul actually does it a bunch of times. He'll use them, but Jesus pulls out. He says, not only am I the shepherd, I'm the good shepherd, I'm the door. Right? He mixes these two images. I'm the door for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. So in verses 7 and 9, you see him saying, truly, truly, I'm saying to you, truly, truly, truth, truth, listen up, listen up. This is something you should hear. This is something you should hear. Amen and amen. I am the door of the sheep. I am the door. That that image I just painted for you into the fold. Right? Into that place of safety and security and salvation. Right? And that's what he says in verse 9. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Right? He will go in, he will go out, and he will find pasture. I'm, I'm, I'm that door through which you must enter into the sheepfold, into God's flock. And he doesn't say it's not just the truth about me that's the door or some, some facts about me and what I do that are, that are the door. He doesn't say the door is, is, is anything other than him very personally. He says, I am the door. You must enter through me, Jesus. Not a doctrine, not a set of things we believe, not rituals, not ceremonies, not good works, not trying hard, not any number of a thousand things. Jesus says, if you want to enter into that flock of God, if you want to enter into the people of God, if you want to enter into that kingdom, if you want to enter into belonging to and being known by and, and loved by God and cared for in this way, he says, I'm the door, I'm the way. I'm the way and the truth and the life. I am the doorway to safety and salvation. And so by faith, we take hold of the good shepherd. And he, and he over and against the door that Jesus puts himself, he he, he, he kind of does this twice. There's a door, and then there are thieves and robbers over the wall. Then there's a good shepherd, right? And then there are hired hands and, and those. And So he, he Juxtaposes these and it juxtaposed to him as the door, he says in verses 8 and 10, following 7 and 9 about the door. He talks about thieves and robbers. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep won't listen to them. Verse 10, he says that the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Right? Thieves and robbers refuse. To use the door. That's verse 1. He opens it out with, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who doesn't enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by some other way, that man is a thief and a robber. Right? They refuse to use the door. In fact, their refusal to use the door tells you that their motives are less than righteous. Right? If they won't come in by the door, then their motives are not good. They're there for all the wrong reasons. Selfish and destructive. Now, who is Jesus talking about? Who are the thieves and robbers? Well, the, the bad guys that Jesus paints again and again. And I would suggest that in this passage, Jesus is still coming after the Pharisees and the Jewish leadership. He comes after them again and again in, in, in form after form, right? Because there are three characters in this dialogue that's going on. There's Jesus and the crowds and the Jewish leadership. And there's this dynamic of Jesus teaching them, them questioning him, them attacking him. You know, And this follows on that whole investigation of the healing of the blind man on the Sabbath. And you see this actually flowing right out of that text. In verses 40 and 41, it says, Some of the Pharisees near to him heard these things, and they said to him, Are we blind? Jesus said to them, "Uh, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Truly, truly, I say to you, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door climbs in some other way. You see, in the original, there's no break right there. And he flows out of it and says, you know, because you claim to see, you, your guilt remains. Truly, truly, I say, anyone who comes in in some other way, in other words, they're rejecting him, is the door. And anyone who comes by any way but the door is a thief and a robber, and their motives are not Righteous. Want to enter the fold over some other wall. The Pharisees want to establish their own righteousness and their own sense of acceptance with God based on who they think they are and what they can accomplish. They think they claim to be the shepherds of Israel. They think they're the gatekeepers. They think they're the gate. Right? They cast Jesus out. The whole story that we just left is the Pharisees and the Jewish leadership casting the blind man out of the fold. Right? They're the gatekeepers, and you're out. Because you trust in Jesus, right? Because you, you in some way claim Him as your Messiah. And so they think they're the gatekeepers. And what they do is they slam the door in the face of all who would enter. But the truth is they're the ones who won't use the door. They're the ones who refuse Jesus, who reject Jesus. Jesus, who will not put their faith in Christ, who cannot see who he is. And they are the blind leading the blind. Thieves and robbers. So in verse 11, though, Jesus turns from being the door and he turns, now I am, I am the good shepherd. Right? In verse 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life. This is part of what makes him good. He lays down his life for the sheep. He's willing to sacrifice himself for his sheep. He puts his life on the line. It's a very specific statement about his work. There are a lot of things he could say about the shepherd, and he he says a few of them. He leads them in and out and finds pasture. But one of the things he repeats several times is that he lays down his life for the sheep. That he will lay down his life for the sheep. It's a very specific statement Right? I will give my life for them. I will sacrifice myself for them. But he says, in a very limited say, this work is very limited. He says, I will lay down my life for the sheep. Right? It's a limited work. Right, It's a limited extent of what he plans to do. He has come to save his sheep. He will lay down his life for his sheep. He doesn't say, I'm going to lay down my life for thieves and robbers. I'm going to lay down my life for the hired hands. I'm going to lay down my life for these other guys' sheep. He says, I've come for my sheep. They know me. I know them. And I lay down my life for them. It's the same thing he says in Ephesians chapter 5 when he says that we are to to love our wives, husbands, as Christ loved his church and gave himself up for her. Right? He, He lays down his life for her. Purchases, in a sense, her health, life and safety. Verses 14 and 15, it's very intimate. He says, "I'm the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life, right For that group that I know and that know me, just as I know the Father and the Father knows me, and I lay down my life. For my sheep. These I will buy. For these I will go to the cross. For these I will give it all up. He has this enigmatic statement in verse 16. I've actually heard people, if you look in verse 16, flowing right out of that, he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I have to bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, and so there'll be one flock and one shepherd. I've actually heard people go to that verse and say, I wonder what Jesus means by other sheep from another fold. I wonder if he means aliens. I wonder if he means people living on another planet. That after he saves us here, he's going to go to a planet out there. And he has sheep in some other fold. I very strongly believe, so I put it to you, that he's talking about the Gentiles. There's the fold of Israel, first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. Has always been the flow from, from Jesus and Paul. And he makes that statement and he makes his thing. And for the Jews, it would be surprising that he had another flock that he would also bring in, and he makes this statement. He makes it clear that, that there, are, there are there are sheep that are not of this fold that I must also bring in, so that there will be but one flock and one shepherd. Right? The gospel goes to the world, and the Jews come in by faith in Christ, and the Gentiles come in by faith in Christ, and there's one flock, and there's one shepherd, and one way of salvation, one work that Jesus comes to do as. A shepherd. Now, opposite of this good shepherd who will give himself for his sheep again are the hired hands. Verse 12 and 13: He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, he does not own the sheep. And so he sees a wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and he flees, and the wolf snatches them and he scatters them, and he flees because he's a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. He's not willing to sacrifice when the danger comes, they're not mine. I sometimes think about the way it is if you're a renter. I've rented a number of times in my life, and there's it's one thing when I own my house. There's another thing when you rent a house, and some people take that to an extreme. It's not theirs, so they don't care for it like theirs. You know, and I just talked to someone the other day who was talking about some of his rental properties, and the people just moved out, and he's like, it's going to take me months to get it fixed up. Like, they just trashed the place. It's not because it wasn't theirs. You know, but when you own, when you own, when it's yours, there's blood, sweat, and tears that will go into it. And Jesus is saying, you know, these guys are just hired hands. They don't, they don't have a sense of ownership. You know, when danger comes, they're out of here. They act in their own interests. They're not interested in the flock. And I believe he is, again, pointing the finger at Pharisees and the Jewish leadership who are akin to the thieves and the robbers who are going to come over by some other way. These guys who are the false shepherds of Israel, and who are leading God's people astray. I put there in your bulletin under the second point a quote from Jeremiah. Again, these are biblical themes. Jesus Jesus rarely brings up new topics of discussion. Most of the stuff that Jesus puts out there and the images that he uses are stuff that they would be steeped in from the Old Testament. And so one of the things that God came to his people about in the times of judgment as Israel comes under Judgment and the prophets at the end of the Old Testament, when first, first the northern kingdom and then the southern kingdom are conquered and submerged and taken, and the accusations of the crimes against God by his people. Jeremiah 23 Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture declares the Lord. And thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people, you've scattered my flock. You've driven them away and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Which is a scary verse for me. It's a stern warning to pastors and teachers and to the leaders. You have not attended to them and I'm going to attend to you. And so there is this This thing on God's people, and as you look around, and there are shepherds who are more self-interested, and their motives are not those of Christ and His kingdom. But the good shepherd is the Messiah, and the Old Testament paints him in this picture where again Jesus takes... <laughs> Where God, the Messiah, ends up being God Himself, come to save His people. Where God is the Good Shepherd, and then He paints the Messiah also as the Good Shepherd. In Micah five, it's there in your bolt, and He shall stand and shepherd His flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord is God, and they shall dwell secure from now. For now, He shall be great to the ends of the earth. Or Jeremiah 23, Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold. And they shall be fruitful and multiply, and I will set shepherds over them who will care for them. And they will fear no more, and they will be dis- not be dismayed, and neither shall any be missing, declares Yahweh. In fact, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, And he shall reign as king and he will deal wisely and he shall execute justice and righteousness. In other words, the good shepherd is the son of David, the coming king who will reign. And he puts these images together there in Jeremiah. And Jesus comes and he wears them both. God himself comes to the sheepfold in the person of Jesus. He's come to his people Israel, to his flock. He's come to them in the the person of Jesus and he's calling them. And he wants to lead them out to follow him into, he says, abundant life, into salvation, into rightness with God. Do you hear the shepherd's voice? Do you recognize your master calling to you? He knows you by name. And he calls you to follow him. See, the mark of Jesus' sheep Old Testament and and new, as Jesus tends the flock, the mark of Jesus' sheep is this. They know his voice and they come to him. When he comes to a fold that's all mixed up, how does he know which sheep are his? How do we know whose sheep are his? When they hear his voice, when he calls to them, they come. They gather and they follow him. That's the mark of his sheep. That's how you know this is the, the clearest way to know who Jesus' sheep are, that when He calls, they respond. They know His voice, they hear it and they recognize. And they come to Him. and they put their faith in Jesus Christ, and they follow Him into a life of holiness, and a life of service and a life of mission. But we're prone to wander. Lord we feel it. Right? Prone to leave the God we love. And I believe that as we see who are Jesus' sheep, as we hear his voice calling, that The master calls us to repentance is so often is how do how do we know how to handle folks and how to handle situations when when people are struggling and out there when people wander off on a byway of sin and we come to them and say brother sister you're not following jesus like jesus is so clear here here and here you know and to follow jesus is to hear his voice and obey his voice and to come after him and to do what he says and to seek to Honor and to please him as one of his, and you're going this way, and we call to repentance. How do we know who Jesus's sheep are? They come to him. Right? they abandon the byways of sin and wandering when they hear the shepherd call, right? when he calls their name, do they come? Do they follow? Do they repent and Give themselves to the shepherd again. Do you hear the shepherd's voice? Have you heard him call your name? Have you come to him? Are you? Do you hear him calling even this morning? I believe he wants to call us again and to tell us. I'm going this way. My sheep follow me. My sheep come with me. Jeremiah 31, 4, it's there in your bulletin. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least to the greatest, declares the Lord, and I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. They shall know me. My sheep know me. They hear my voice. They respond to my voice. And I forgive them, and I save them. And I carry them. You know, even more profound and important perhaps in that this idea that the sheep hear His voice and they respond to Him is is, is throughout this text, this idea that Jesus, the shepherd, knows you. Right? It says in verse 14 so clearly, I am the good shepherd and I know my own. Right? I know my own. I know who are mine. Not as some amorphous group of sheep or flock out there, but I I know my own very individually and very particularly. Remember in verse three, he says, To to him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. Right? What a what an awesome picture. That there is a sense in which Jesus calls to you and he knows who you are very individually. He has named you, you know, like that flock in the field that that gets to know their shepherd, and he's named you, he knows you, and he calls you to himself by name. And he says, you are mine. All right, this is Isaiah 43 there in your bulletin. But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel, fear not, I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, and you are mine. A little mind-blowing. Just as he says in 14, I mean, when he says, I'm the good shepherd, I know my own and my own know me. And then he says, 15, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. Now, let me just ask you, how well does the Son of God know the Father? And how well does the Father know his Son? And he says, I know my own and they know me. And I lay down my life for them, and I purchase them for myself. Jesus is the door he's the only door. you can't get in over the wall. Thieves and robbers he says, don't make it, they don't cut it. it doesn't work there's one way he says you enter through the door by faith and you will be saved right in verse what does he say in verse nine he says when you're When you enter through the door, I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He will go in and he will come out and he will find pasture, right? He will come in to the fold where there's safety and security and rest and provision. And he says, then I'll lead him out. We'll head out from here. He'll lead you out. Where? To pasture, but to service and to mission and to honor and to glorify him in the world. He leads us into safety and he leads us out into the wider pastures where we serve and honor him. A life of following the shepherd, of serving the shepherd. He came. He says that they might have life, verse ten, and they might have it abundantly. i was trying to think how to wrap this up. You get all this far. I think there's this picture here that's that is that is profound. You know, as I was doing this this week, it's happened to me a couple of times recently. Is I'm studying one thing, and it it really brings something else to life. I was looking at a couple of the points in the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I just found myself praying the whole Lord's Prayer again with new ownership and and depth. And as I was thinking, how do do you wrap this up? How do I describe? He says, here's the bottom line, is that I've come to give them life and to give it to them abundantly. What does that look like? I can spend another 10 minutes trying to describe to you abundant life in Christ. I decided to spare you. And I thought we would, I would just pray it. I'm going to pray it for you. Uh, and let you own it for yourselves. And hopefully it's your takeaway uh, as we think about this. Because where else more profoundly do we understand this image than in David? When he says that the Lord, Yahweh, is my shepherd. right, And I shall not be in want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. And he leads me. He leads me beside quiet waters. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. He leads me into a life of holiness and service and justice for his own name's sake. The Lord, Yahweh, is my shepherd. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even there he leads me. And I will not be afraid because his rod and his staff, they protect me. Right? He is my shepherd. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And he anoints my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in Yahweh's house forever. I believe that abundant life is life with a shepherd. Abundant life is when Jesus knows you and loves you and protects you and provides for you and leads you. He leads you in and He leads you out. The abundant life is a life where we know we belong to Him. And I will have no fear. Thou art with me. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you for coming to be the good shepherd. A good shepherd who doesn't just tell us a good story, but a shepherd who is willing to lay down his life for the sheep. A shepherd who is willing to sacrifice for his own. That you love us that much. And we belong to you. We are yours. Purchased with your own blood and sacrifice. Lord Jesus, may we enter in through the door and only through the door. May we forsake all the byways of sin and all those other things that call our name, those other voices who who would be sirens in our ears to lure us from You. May we know Your voice and may we follow You. May we live under Your care and protection. We ask and pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.